0: You're listening to the RV Homeschool Podcast, where we make travel educational and fun. Let's head to some tall, tall trees as we go to Redwood National Park. Thank you for joining us at the RV Homeschool Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Steuven. We are a family of four who travels in our Jayco Seneca motorhome throughout U.S. and Canada when borders are open, and we've been to 34 of the national parks, so we tend to bring you content about the national parks, but we also talk about other RV-related things. Today, we are discussing Redwood National Parks and State Parks, because um, there's a combination to those. Why would we visit Redwood National Park? Well, these are the tallest trees on earth. So last week in the podcast, we talked about the biggest trees on earth in terms of the weight. The coastal redwoods are the tallest trees on earth. These trees were actually almost destroyed. In 1850, logging really started in the area. And at that point in time, there was 2 million acres of old growth redwoods that they had in existence. And today, only 5% of that remains because of the logging industry. Um, The redwood national and state parks protect 35% of what remains of that 5%. And then much of the rest of that is held in public lands, and there's about 1% of it that is held privately. And that doesn't mean that they're being destroyed and logged in that 1% of private, um, privately held redwoods, but mostly you're kind of seeing more tourist attract- attraction type stuff, so things that you would see at a private attraction but not necessarily at a national park. And we'll talk about some of those things at the end of the podcast. So the tall trees is probably what's bringing you to Redwood National Park but there's also a lot of other cool things to see. There's some old ranches that you can see. There's um, old mines that used to be around so there's some remnants and sites related to those mines. There's World War II radar stations, which was something that surprised us going down Highway 101 along the coast is how many of these places were put into place during World War II so that they could monitor everything going on with the war. Um, Pretty interesting there. And then there's some old home sites as well in Redwood area there's also 40 miles of coastal beaches so it's not just the trees and the redwood groves and all those areas but you also have the coastal beach and everything related to the coastal beaches so tide pools and all those types of fun things and then you have those beaches surrounded by these really tall trees and impressive old growth redwood areas so let's get into the logistics first The coastal redwoods are all along the coast of Northern California, so this is one of the nine California National Parks. There's actually four parts to the park system there, to the Redwood National Park and State Park, and that's because it's a combination of Redwood National Park, and then there's Prairie Creek Redwoods State Park, Jedediah Smith Redwoods State Park, and Humboldt. Redwood State Park. So those four parks combine together and are pretty much kind of jointly run and a lot of the things are tied between them. So when you go to one, you have resources for all the others. The rangers are going to know information about the various places. So it just feels like one large giant Redwood Park system, which is what it is. It's a very large amount of space so if you're driving from jedediah state park which is up in the northern part and you were heading all the way down to humble state park you're talking about 134 miles and these are not straight fast highway miles these are winding going around trees going slow up and down hills um, on the highway 101 so that's a, a slow trek heading from that northern part all the way down to the southern part And it's not all redwoods the whole way through, so you'll have other towns and some places where you don't see redwoods at the time, but that's kind of how far they stretch and areas that are protected under this. You would have a hard time staying in one place for Redwood National Park and seeing everything or seeing a lot of the main highlights that you'd want to see. So we planned to stay sometime in Crescent city, which is up in the north along the coast. And then we planned to head south, uh, not too far out of Eureka in a town called Trinidad, but we ended up having to cut our trip short because we had to come back for work a little early. And so we were only able to stay in Crescent city, but I'll tell you some of the highlights of the things that we wanted to see that were a little bit further south so that you kind of have everything that you need in this one podcast. So we drove Highway 101 for most of this, and I think uh, most people will do that for for most of the Redwood Park. We actually came down the 101 all the way from Olympic and pretty much um, took that all the way down. We did a little jaunt over from about Coos Bay, headed inward up to Crater Lake, and then we came from Crater Lake over to Crescent City that actual route is taking Highway 199, which is also known as the Redwoods Highway, and that goes from Grant Pass, Oregon, and takes you into Crescent City, and that's about three and a half hours. So if you were planning to do Crater Lake at the same time while you're out in this area, that's about a three and a half hour on a good driving day, you know, in an RV and stuff. Sometimes that takes longer. But that's kind of what you're looking for there. We then headed down on Highway 101 as we were continuing our journey through California, but we ended up heading east at about Eureka. So we ended up catching Highway 299, which takes you kind of through the mountainous area by Mount Shasta, Whiskey Town, National Recreation Area, things like that, and took us over to Lassen Volcanic. So again, our, our trek that we did was Crater Lake, over to the Redwood and then over to the Lassen. And I think a lot of people do this, so I kind of wanted to mention that as an available option. You're not really going to deal with anything too terribly difficult to drive in your RV. There's definitely some mountain passes and some mountainous driving that you have on that Highway 299 which leaves from kind of Eureka, California, where the Redwood is at, and then as you're heading over to Lassen. But on the Redwoods Highway that you're taking from Grants Pass, Oregon, down to Crescent City, there's not really anything too terribly difficult there. And then Highway 101 is totally doable in an RV. Totally fine to do. People take that all the way up and down from Washington all the way down to San Diego. We didn't go that far, but um, the distance that we did take, it was fine to do in your RV. It is a little bit slow going on that because you are talking about hills and you're going around trees, so it's not a straight shot forward. It also means that the speed limit is pretty slow and there was construction when we were going through there, and I've heard there's even more construction. Actually, I think currently right now they have a whole um, wiped out area because of mudslides and stuff, so they're dealing with some repair on Highway 101, and that is making it slow going in that area. Hopefully by this summer, though, that'll be all fixed. The other thing to mention while we're talking about logistics and driving is that there's a lot of wildfire issues that you have to deal with when you're heading out to California. In this area in general, we did this trip in September of 2020. So this last year, we had the pandemic to deal with, of course. So that meant a lot of things were closed, like all of the visitor stations were closed. There weren't any ranger talks. Um, Pretty much everything was shut down. I think even the um, campsites that are there at Redwoods, all of those were closed as well. We didn't end up camping there. I'll talk more about camping at the end. But um, a lot of stuff was closed because of the pandemic. And then the other thing that we ran into really for our whole Pacific Northwest trip was wildfires. Wildfires were really bad throughout Oregon, and we were constantly checking InsaWeb, that's the place to check for fire information if you're heading out west. Actually, I, th- I think it goes throughout the whole country, but if you're heading out west in the summer or fall, you just need to plan to be checking this for part of your. Your journeys because if you're maybe in places like Utah and you're going to the canyons and stuff, you're not going to have to deal with wildfires. But if you're heading to the mountains of Colorado, the Rockies, Sierra Nevadas, the Cascades, expect that there's probably going to be some sort of fires. They may not be large, but you're probably going to have to deal with some sort of fires. So, InsaWeb is the place that you go to check that. That's spelled I N C I W E B, and that's really the national spot where they'll put any fires that are around so you can just look at a map real quickly see what fires are in the area it'll tell you what the containment is it'll tell you if there's any road closures where you can get more information when we were evacuated from our house because of wildfire last october this is where we would check in every single day to see what the containment was up to and what the plan was for the day and where the fire had moved to so this is the place to check for fire information good spot to just check as you're doing any trips out west The other thing to know is um, to check for the air quality index. And the site that I like to use for that is called Purple Air. And it's just a website you can go to, and you can see what the air quality looks like. If you have an iPhone, you can also see the air quality index just by putting the location that you're going to in the map. And where it shows you the weather, just below that, it says AQI, and it'll have a number there. So, you know, generally we're between kind of 30 to 70 in most of our cities. But during our trip in the Pacific Northwest, we were easily into the upper 100s and sometimes as high as 400s in some of the places. Now, those, um, those locations were just so saturated in ash and smoke that we actually ended up leaving and driving through and continuing driving because we, we couldn't even deal with breathing the air in that area. Be sure to check your air quality index and kind of stay on top of that. We made the mistake of leaving from um, Crater Lake, and we had been checking the Oregon Department of Transportation information, and we knew that we didn't have a highway closure for 199 but we didn't even think about the fact that it becomes California, and they actually had had the highway closed. On the california side because they were dealing with a fire now it happened to open the morning that we drove through so we lucked out and it had just opened but there was still smoke there was smoldering on the side of the highway there were trees that were still in flames Um, so they must have decided it was safe enough for cars to pass through but they were very much dealing with that fire so just something to know that when you're dealing with heading out west be sure you're kind of staying up to date on fire information so that is general stuff about the logistics. When we get back, we're going to talk about the sites and things to see. There are so many sites to see in Redwood, National, and State Parks just because it is such a large space too. So there's so many things that you can enjoy. But I'm just going to highlight four of the things that we enjoyed or at least wanted to see. The last uh, couple things are things that we wanted to see. The first to mention is the Newton Drury Scenic Parkway and this is a little bit of a bypass that goes around highway 101 so you're taking this um, not too far south from Crescent City you can kind of take this bypass and it goes through Prairie Creek Redwoods State Park and it's very RV accessible so you don't have to worry about taking this with your motorhome or travel trailer whatever you have it's easy enough for you to drive this there's also pullouts where you can just pull into parking spaces, so not necessarily spots where you have to back in and out, which of course uh, we RVers know that doesn't exactly work, but there's places where you can just pull to the side of the road and look at the interpretive signs and then um, head on to some of the quick hikes. So there's a bunch of different hikes in this area. You have the old growth redwood trees, which are amazing to see. And um, some of the trees that you may have heard of like Big Tree Wayside and Corkscrew Tree Trail, those are all in this area. So absolutely, if there's only one thing that you're going to do in the redwood and you're just traveling up Highway 101, you're heading up to Oregon or you're heading from being north and heading down South California, if you're only going to do one thing, be sure it is this scenic parkway because it will not disappoint. It's probably only about, I don't know, 30, 40 minute drive If you're doing the drive solid, of course, you're gonna pull over and take some hikes and enjoy, and there's some picnic tables, and you can have a nice snack, so beautiful spot to enjoy. So that was one place we really liked. The next place to talk about, and all of these next places are not accessible with your motorhome, so you'll need to make sure that you're parking your travel trailer or your trailer your motorhome somewhere, and then you have a different vehicle to take into these next areas I'm going to mention. So the first is Stout Grove, and this is up in Jedediah State Park area, which is in the northern part. There's a road called Howland Hill Road, and we accessed it from off of Highway 199. It's windy. It's tight. It's mostly unpaved. So, of course, it's not motorhome friendly. You can't turn around on this road, unless, not in a motorhome at least. Um, in our Jeep, we were fine. And it was totally doable with a Jeep, even in a stock car. I think you'd be fine. You just need to go slow because it is unpaved. The actual trail that you take to get into Stout Grove is only about a half mile, so it's not bad at all. You're not really dealing with stairs or any major elevation change, so it's a very easy trail to take. And then what makes this area so cool, because you have redwoods all over the place, but what makes this area so cool is that they get a lot of flooding from the nearby river, and what that does is it prevents the under- story trees and the other plants and stuff that are kind of at the lower elevation along the ground from growing and so what you end up are these big clear spaces where you can walk around and then you just have these massive giant 300 foot tall redwood trees that are around by you so it's really impressive to see you feel like an ant among these giant trees and uh, it was really fun for the kids at one point in the trail it forks and just so you know that fork is just going to make a big loop so it doesn't matter which direction you take you're eventually going to come back out and you'll exit back up at the trail the same place where you came in from one of the things that makes this area so cool is there's fallen redwoods so the kids can see the underside and the root system you can hike onto places you can um walk around them. There's places where they're kind of hollowed out on the inside and you can almost walk into the trees. So the kids just treated it like a giant playground and they loved this area. The next place to talk about is Fern Canyon. So first of all, you head to Gold Bluffs Beach. So you're taking what's called Davidson Road, which will just be off of the 101. This is a little bit further south, well, quite a bit south from Crescent City. Um, as you're heading kind of to Oric, california type area Um, so you are taking davidson road out to gold bluffs beach this is an unpaved 25 minute ish road it's windy it's bumpy it is not rv accessible there is a ranger station when you get to the end of that and you're getting towards Gold Bluffs Beach. And I believe that our National Parks Pass must have given us entrance because I remember seeing the ranger, but I don't remember having to pay anything to go in here. It allows you to be right here on the beach and on the water. There's a parking space here at Gold Bluffs, and they're called Gold Bluffs because you'll see the mountainside um well, not really mountain hills next to you, the bluffs next to you, and they're goldish in color. And I guess there used to be the Union Gold Mine in this area. And there's still some site remnant areas, which we did not explore, but those are apparently in this general area. You can continue on the path and go a little bit further and you'll head up to the Fern Canyon Trailhead parking lot. And uh, again, not RV accessible, but your car will be fine. And from here, you hike into Fern Canyon. It's not a very far hike. I think it's like an eighth of a mile. So it's it's virtually nothing in terms of the hike to Fern Canyon. What makes Fern Canyon so cool is that there was just a little stream eons ago that eventually carved out this canyon and really carved out a canyon. So there's these giant walls beside you that make up the canyon walls and they'll go 50 to 80 feet in height so they're really tall and they are just covered in different plants and ferns i guess there's five different types of ferns along here a bunch of different plants there's water that's dripping down them like i said we were here in the fall and there still was water dripping along them and there was water in the stream below enough water that you really couldn't walk across it unless you were walking on top of logs and i would highly suggest having some sort of um, good water shoe like a a teva or keens or something that'll let you get your feet wet but will stay on your feet not just flip-flops something a little bit more supportive we had our hiking boots on which was fine for everybody except i slipped off of one of the logs and so then i had both feet planted in the water like knee deep not quite knee deep but far enough that my hiking boots were entirely soaked and then i got to be soaked for the entire rest of the hiking which wasn't super fun so i would recommend you don't even probably need your hiking boots for most of this but you do want some decent water shoes that are going to let you um, walk around on the logs give you some stability and let you enjoy it without getting your feet soaked The other thing to know about Fern Canyon is this is where some parts of Jurassic World were filmed, and you very much feel like you could be back in time in some prehistoric Jurassic period or something. So it's very cool, a lot of fun, beautiful to see. The other thing that Gold Bluffs Beach and kind of Davidson Road is known for are the Roosevelt elk and we didn't see any of the elk here at this point but as we were continuing on 101 we saw a huge herd that were just right off the road on 101 we were able to pull over and take some pictures Uh, they really are kind of everywhere so you'll end up I'm sure seeing them in your time here if you're staying here enough days And then the last two things I wanted to talk about we didn't actually get to see because we didn't end up staying on the south side of the park and it was just too far to drive on the days that we were doing stuff in the northern part, and that is the Lady Bird Johnson Grove Trail. It's only about a mile and a half long, and part of it's, uh, it's all a path, and part of it has kind of this boardwalk to it, and it looks really beautiful. So this is supposed to be a wonderful area. Apparently, she was very influential on helping protect the redwoods and doing a lot for the conservation, and so they named this trail after her. And then not too far from this same area is where the Tall Trees Trail is is located and this is what i wanted to do on our full day on the south side uh, that we didn't end up having but this is a three and a half mile trail so a uh, little bit longer than some of the ones i usually mention because i'm always thinking about little kids you probably want to have older kids for it, especially given that the last mile and half i think about are pretty much an 800 foot ascent And then of course you have to descend that back down as you're heading out of the tall trees area so pretty long hike but what would be really great about this hike is you'd be pretty isolated and it's a permit only hike. So they want to know who all's actually hiking in there. Plus they limit how many people can be in there. So if you really want something that's isolated and you don't have a lot of other people around you, but you could still maybe do with some older kids who are a little bit more used to hiking and being able to do a good couple of miles, then this might be a good trail for you. The last thing to mention is because you have 1% of the redwoods that are actually in privately held Hands that means that you have some commercialism to this park that isn't really truly part of the NPS park system or part of the state park system, but it's in the area and it lets you experience the redwoods in a different way than you might have at some other national parks. And what I mean by that is a place like Trees of Mystery. So Trees of Mystery is um, a private place to get in. I think it was about $25 an adult. I think it might have been about 20 dollars for the kids we actually stopped at it you can't miss it there's a giant giant paul bunyan and ox blue ox out in front of the store so you can see that in front of the entry entrance store and then when you go inside they have a bunch of different things like they have a um, canopy line that you can walk between the redwood trees they have trees you can crawl into things that are carved out to look like different items so the redwoods have been carved into characters and stuff so very commercial but kids usually love that kind of stuff so we considered going there but we didn't show up till I think it was like 4 45 and they closed at either 5 or 5 30 and for I think it was going to be near a hundred dollars you know 70 to a hundred dollars for the our family four to go in and there wasn't any discount being the end of the day so we just decided if that's the kind of thing that you want to do and you want to see with your kids Go earlier in the day and make the most use out of that money because everything else is pretty much going to be free for you, especially if you have a parks pass. So this is uh, definitely a bit more expensive, but it might be a very cool experience if your kids like that kind of stuff. Something to mention if you want to see maybe a little bit more commercial, but a fun way to see the redwoods that you're not going to see within the park system. When we come back, we're going to talk about camping options for your RV. So there are a few campsites i believe there's about four campsites between redwood and the state parks but they all have limitations of the rv length being between about 24 to 28 feet so we're talking about really small rvs can go into these sites and i bet a lot of them are somewhat difficult to access because they're unless you're straight on that highway 101 a lot of stuff is going to be difficult to drive so that wasn't really an option for us and probably for a lot of people out there the u.s forest in the area has a few more options that accommodate bigger rvs they actually have more in terms of the lengths of like 30 to 40 foot sites so we maybe could squeeze into one of those but the thing to know is that you don't have any hookups or you so you don't have electric you don't have sewer you don't have water which might be fine for boondocking a few days we're always traveling with our dog and so and You can't have the dogs pretty much at the parks i'll talk a little bit more about that at the end but we always want to make sure that when she's staying in the rig for the day we run her in the morning and then she's usually exhausted and we have her stay in the rv we make sure it's either warm enough or cool enough depending on where we're at we have surveillance cameras so we can watch her throughout the day and then we leave you know some music or some other noise on for her so she's not kind of interrupted by the noises of the rv park and she does great and fine with that setup. But we know that going to the national parks means you're not bringing your dogs along. So we try to make sure that we're staying in a place where we have hookups and we can make it comfortable for her to hang out there for a few hours while we go explore the parks. Where we ended up staying was the Crescent City KOA. And I like this KOA. We have a YouTube review on this. So if you wanna check out our YouTube channel, we go through and have a, a review on the whole campground. It is very small for a KOA, and they kind of border along the Redwoods Park. I think they actually maybe lease the land or have a little bit of an agreement with the land. So you have these giant Redwoods. You're pretty much in Redwoods, which is really cool. But it also means that this is not one of your big super KOAs with big roomy spaces to turn around your rig and park into spots. I think there were maybe only three or four spots that even could fit an RV of our size and that was one of the deluxe sites and that's what we were in we ended up being in it was a little difficult to navigate into our spot and a little difficult to navigate out we were afraid we might hit a tree at one point but we didn't so it ended up being just fine the people were very nice and we we enjoyed it a lot so it was a great koa we had planned to stay on the south side like i mentioned in a town called trinidad and we were going to stay at the azalea glen rv park but we had to head back early so we ended up not getting to have some time on the south side. I think my overall recommendations, I have a few recommendations and one of them is that I think ideally if you had five nights, four or five nights for the Redwood National Park and state parks, I think that would be ideal. And you would get to see everything that you would want to see in this area. So. We would have preferred to have three nights in the north and then two nights in the south. And that was originally what we scheduled. And we ended up only having our three nights in the north. And it just meant we missed out on some of those southern sites like the Lady Bird Johnson Grove Trail and the Tall Trees Trail. But we still got to see plenty and definitely felt like we experienced the Redwoods. I wouldn't spend four or five nights here if it means that you can't spend any time at, say, Crater Lake or Lassen Volcanic. So if you're trying to do this as part of a larger RV trip and you are you only have so much time to see all these places, I wouldn't spend more time at Redwoods and then skip somewhere else that's a nearby neighbor. I'd make sure to also at least get in a day or two at, at those parks as well. The other thing to mention is that it's nice to have wetsuits for your family. If you're used to Southern California, even the water down there can get cold, but man, when you head up here to like Oregon, um, Washington, and even still Northern California, it was pretty chilly. So if you really want your kids to be able to fully be swimming in the ocean and enjoying their time and and spending a lot of time on the beach, I'd recommend having wetsuits. It definitely made it more enjoyable for our girls. And then, as I mentioned, pets are not really allowed within the park. They technically have two hikes within the Redwood State and National Park where they can actually hike. And uh, let's see, those two areas in Jedediah State Park, there's a road called Walker Road. And this is actually like a paved road cars can go on. But this is the only place you can take your pets on. They have to be on a leash and they have to stay on that road. And then the one and only other spot is in Prairie Creek State Park, and that's the Cal Barrel Road. And you can walk your pet on that as well. So those are the only two spots. They cannot come to all of those other great spots that I told you about where you're going to see a bunch of the things that you'll really love from your experience at Redwood. So I would just recommend having a good setup for your pet so that the pet can stay back at your campsite, back at your RV, and then you can go explore and see everything that you really wanna see. The last two little pieces of information for general recommendations, um, stay up to date on fire information. So like I said, INSAweb is the one place to go just log into that check that on your trip as you're doing any trips out west it's just a good idea and then the last thing I wanted to mention are a couple of book recommendations to get your kids excited and prepared for the trip if you have younger kids so maybe early elementary or even kind of preschool, kindergarten, there's a really good book called Tall, Tall Tree and it's by Anthony Fredericks. It's a picture book and it's a counting picture book, which you know little kids always love counting books, but it has beautiful illustrations. It's kind of talking about the different creatures and animals that are part of these tall trees and why they're so important. So that's great for younger kids. And then if you have a little bit older kids, elementary age, the book we refer to the most is called The Magic and Mystery of Trees. And it's by Jen Green. This is also a picture book. It's more kind of in the form of like a DK resource or National Geographic. It's more kind of encyclopedia type. So you're having a bunch of information, and you're learning new vocabulary, and you're learning the parts of the trees, and different types of trees, and um, how a tree grows, and just everything you could want to know about trees, this book has it. And so it makes it a wonderful resource. And I'll link to both of those in the show notes. Also, we have a YouTube channel where we go through and show the video of our trips. And so we have one on Redwood National Park and you can see all these different stops and video of these different hikes and stuff along the way. So if you're more visual or you just wanna see what some of this looks like, you can check that out there on YouTube. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at RV Homeschool. And thanks so much for joining us. We're gonna try to keep doing this weekly. So join us next week as we kick off another one of the Pacific Northwest parks that we went to. Thanks so much for listening.